Church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. And uh, there's lots going on. How many of you got a, a wristband when you came in here? Uh, right? What does it say on there? All in, right? Isaiah 35, 1 and 2. All in. We are um, in this mode of, of, boy, there's a tipping point of influence right now uh, that you and I uh, get an opportunity to be a part of. I'm really excited about um, where God is moving us and heading our church into this uh, next phase of growth and influence into our community. And so we're starting something called All In. If, if you, this is your first time with us, uh, we're going to catch you at speed real quick. We have, uh, we're under contract with a property on 2700 North, and there's five acres there, right? I mean, and that's good. And an amen to that is that this property wasn't even for sale. Uh, it was, I got a call a few months ago, six months. I want to call Vanna up here, Rick Austin, <laughs> and Katie. Yo. Um, okay, and I'm just going to briefly kind of describe just a little bit of how this whole process worked to get us up to this point and where we're headed in the next few months. Um, we're all in a little bit. Uh, sorry, she was saying we're all in a lot, all right? Not a little bit. She, she said tilt that a little bit, and so I said a little bit. Um, so this was the five acres. that we, This is the, the five acres that we are under contract for. It's like an L shape. I'll try to get out of the way so everybody can see this. Um, and the this was not for sale. We got a call a few months ago and said, hey, um, we've got some property that you might be interested in. It's not for sale, but you might be interested in it. Well, okay. How does this work? Well, I think we can kind of get this rolling in the right direction for you guys. So if you want this, I think I could sway them and we can kind of move forward in this direction. Sure enough, uh, our developer, our guy that we're, we're working with, um, he purchased this, basically just handed it over to us, and we paid him, and it was eight acres at the, at the beginning, remember, this is five acres, eight acres, it's 1.3 million, we said, you know what, we had a prayer list for two years, at least five acres, on 2700 North, with an approach, that means access from 2700 North into that property, and a million dollars, no more, so we said, you know what, that 1.3 is just kind of out, out, out there too much, we don't want to be a slavery to this financially, um, so that's what we're going to have to say no on that, and Anyways, negotiation, it was just, look, this is what we can do, million dollars, that's it. And he said, okay, how about you tell us what you need? So we said, okay, we need at least five acres, and it can't be more than a million dollars. And he just says, okay, let's do that. You're right? I mean, that's a praise report in itself. I mean, it wasn't like a 1.1 or $1.5. It was just like, hey, what do you want? All right, so now we've earned a contract for this property, right? Uh, and then we go into a meeting, and he says, uh, you know, this, all of this property that's around here was already under contract with somebody else, was tied up, wasn't available, and this was going to be purchased. Well, out of the blue, for whatever reason, which we know, right, that contract fell through and became open on the market. The next day, he calls, and he purchases this property, or is it purchasing all this property around here? What that means is it's not just this property that, you know, he is owned or we're in contract for now it's all of this and he's thinking man we can really help each other out and it would be better for me and you if we kind of gave you guys just more how about more than double the frontage road if we redraw up the boundaries we're like okay uh see so do you want more you know square footage on the front uh yes property wasn't for sale comes to us bought it says 
Do you want to buy this? Yes, we do. And the only thing is, it's five acres, million dollars, broach on 2700 you know, all this. Yes. You know what? More than that, let's just roll this up so it's better for you guys. How, you okay with that? Yes, absolutely. And, and then, so now we've got this to where, okay, you'll see the plans. You can go take a look at this. He wants to develop all this. So there's an access point here, and there's a, he wants to build a road right here with a little kind of turnaround area and give access points into our church. So it's not just one area of entrance. There's multiple, and he'd be kind of developing that for us as well. So five acres really holds a lot. Potentially it holds about 5,000, excuse me, 1,000 people, right? So that's, that's, that's a lot of influence into our community. You would see on the plans, if you go take a look, right here where we're meeting right now, 7,000 square feet. That's including ba- uh, bathrooms and storage, all that kind of stuff. 7,000 square feet. The other building next to us is the Children's Center. That's like 3,300, and the youth is 3,400 square feet. So totally rough, rough, right around 14,000 square feet is what we have to use currently in our setting right now. The building, the initial phase, building one, then building two, three would be down the road, but building one would be 28,000 square feet. That's double what we have, right? So there's the reason why you do double is because they don't want you to build. I mean, they as in like our loan committee, they don't they want us to build and then just have to build again real fast. So build for the future of expansion. They just say that's kind of typically what you do. So just kind of give you an F, rough idea, right? Half of, of this building, like this building and the two buildings on the side there would fit on half of that uh, building that we're projecting for. And there's room to develop a children's center about 10,000 square feet, youth center about 10,000 square feet. And, you know, Barry mentioned, well, we've got to have a garage too. So we've got to, actually he said a shop. We've got to put that in there. And I said, yeah, you're right, we do. Um, so here's the thing. We said, you know, this sounds great. Brent, we were in a meeting, Rick Austin, myself, and Barry were in a meeting. We were kind of talking through these plans. He had the, plan, he had the building up on top here like this and other buildings here. And I said, you know what? We really want to be up front in our community. We want Christ represented right on that road. That's just what we've always said. We just want to be here for available for people. We don't have to find just right there. Everybody knows. And so he says, you know what? Uh, we'll just move you guys down here, which is where the, bu- the plans are, are drawn up now. And then we said, okay, how do we make this easy for you? Because we're realizing he's really negotiating a lot on his terms to kind of make this happen for us. And we said, how do we make this easy? Verbatim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've gone over this several times. And um, he said, I'll tell you what, I will do whatever you guys want. He said, he leans back in his chair and said, he said, how about that for easy? <laughs> we're like, Where's that easy button? Eh, you know, that's, let's do that. Uh, that's easy. And so all of this to say, um, we are just excited for the answers to prayer of what you're praying for. You know, I sent that text out in that meeting. All of this happened during that meeting. And I got a lot of responses back saying, hey, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Prayer works. Prayer moves mountains. A few years ago, we were talking to the, uh, a realtor and said, hey, this is what we're looking for. We need this cost to be here. He says, what you're looking for is impossible, right? So God does do the miracle. He does move mountains. At that time when the realtor said, it's impossible what you're looking for, Bobby Day, a friend of mine, also a board member, came over here. This building wasn't available. This was real deals full of stuff. And we laid hands on this building and said, God, give us this building. We literally put our hands on this place and said, God, we, we need this place because there's nowhere else. And the realtor said it's impossible, but we know it's not impossible. We looked in here that this is going to be a perfect place for a church. I called the landlord and said, hey, any chance that that real deal is going to be moving out anytime soon? 
and that building will be vacant. He's like, man, I hope not. You know, he's like, I don't want them going anywhere because being rent. And so I said, uh, anyway, long story short, less than a year later, they moved out. He built them another building for whatever reason. They're just next to us. Gave this to, to us um, just as an, um, uh, a, a gift from God. You know, none of that was in the works until we give it to God before the Lord. Let me go a little further. Can I keep sharing praise reports about this whole process? In this, we had this, and we, we didn't have bathrooms. There were some janky bathrooms, and there was like one holers. You know what I mean? And we needed just the, I mean, a real square, just small thing. We, needed, we knew we needed double the bathrooms, and we needed that cost to go down because it was like $3,800 uh, $3, a month was what it was to be in this place. We wanted to bring that down. And so Jake McMurrin, a board member at that time, went met uh, uh, Eric, our landlord here, and we had these two questions. Let's see if we could bring it down to 3000 uh, a month, you know, negotiate with that. And let's see if he would split the cost of, of, the, of, the, of the bathrooms and, or, or, let us, or let us build the, the bathrooms. And so we come up and we're meeting, um, meeting together before we meet Eric. And we're, okay, okay, how do we talk this? How do we negotiate? And Jake is talking to me about it. So okay, we're going to just kind of go through it this way. Anyways, Eric walks in and says, hey, listen, guys, I know I told you $3,800 a month, but... I was thinking about it. Let's just do $3,000 a month for this. And I said, hey, you know, we were wanting some more bathrooms. He said, how about we split the cost? Before I could even say, before I could say, hey, we want to build it, you know, he said, let's just split the cost. And I didn't argue. I said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, you know, God's faithful, isn't he? And when things seem impossible, we give it to him. And we just give them all the praise. We say, God, you've got this. And it's not from us, not from our planning and what we think. When you know what? We don't surrender those things that we say is impossible. And when we give up, we just say, okay, God, you make it possible if this is your will. Let me just say what this is. This is a $3 million project total. This, this is impossible for any one of us to do on, a, on its own. And it's a large undertaking. And we are in this process right now. We're doing a generosity initiative all in. That's what this is. All in prayer, number one. And all in, just being excited about it and dreaming big and asking God to provide for us as well as, fi as, as, well as financially. And, you know, it's difficult for me to talk about finances. I don't want to be that church that pumps finances all the time. I don't. But today is just that one thing of just initial saying, hey, this isn't my money. This, isn't, this, is, this is God's. I'm not asking for this. this is, I'm asking for the influence and impact into this community that you and I are actively a part of to try and reach. And so $150,000 is impossible, but with God, it's possible. In February, that's our goal. And we have got some things lined up, and we're going to be believing. I'm asking you that if you're wearing that wristband, if you've got the button or whatever it is, that we're in unity, that this is not about a guilt. This is not about a dollar number. You may be able to give 10%, right, that tithe. You may not. But you may be able to do that 5%, or you may be able to do $5. You might give up that McDonald's once a week and give that over to God. And whether it's $5 or 5000 listen, it's not about the dollar. It's about the heart. So this is just the challenge to say, God, we're all in this together. And the only way that this is going to happen is if we are, and we just commit it over to God and believe together in the big things together. Amen? And let God take care of the outcome. We just do what we can do, and we do it with a joyful heart. And we see how God works and moves. Amen? It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's good. It's almost like I hear God saying, I'll do whatever you want. How about that for easy? 
That's how I'm hearing it when Brent says that. I'm saying, okay, God, you're at work for sure. So can we just start today and commit these next few months and years into God's hands and asking for that miracle? Can we do that together? Let's do that now. God, we are before you, people of faith and believing that you do move mountains when we come with a mustard seed of faith. And God, we are asking that you will do the impossible, that you will provide for this, this body of believers who have come together to make the biggest imprint into this community for you. God, we know we have a mission to accomplish, and it's not our agenda, but God, it is your, your desire that everyone would have the opportunity to know your love, your grace, and your power of restoration. Lord, I pray for the impact that will happen in the, in the years to come. God, we ask for your miracle working power to bless our finances, our influence, and change people's lives. Redirect them towards your heart. In Jesus' name, we are all in agreement and all in, we said together, amen, amen. Let's just praise God for what he's going to do. I get stirred up when I talk about this. It just helps me um, to share this with you because it's exciting. You know, I just feel that excitement when we come together. All right. Thank you for uh, um, just partnering in this together. It's really going to be exciting. All right, you got your Bibles with you? Just curious, how many of you bring your physical Bible to church still, right? I mean, this is a, I mean, it's great, right? You've got that with you. How many of you got your phone with you, right? Dude, that's awesome. That's God's Word. So we've got God's Word in this place, and we're going to read that together. We're going through John, uh, the book of John, John chapter 1. We're not taking each chapter each week. We are, we are processing a few weeks in a chapter. This is our third week in John chapter 1. Are you enjoying just, just dissecting God's word a little bit? Kind of slowing the pace down and saying, okay, what is God speaking to me? Right? And I think that we're going to uh, discover a lot what God is speaking to us. I, in fact, I know he is. As we uh, go through his word, you can't help with a receptive heart to receive what God is speaking. Amen? Amen. You give me just a quick minute here to get my place. And we're going to read this together. We're going to start with uh, verse 29. I'll read this all the way down through, I believe it's 42. And then we'll come back and we'll just talk about what we just read. Before I do that, let me just open up with prayer over God's word in our hearts. Holy Spirit, teach us about you and your word. We need, we need your leading and your softening to help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist. Remember, he was baptizing people and preparing the way for Jesus to come. He was the front runner of Jesus, preaching repentance. <clears throat> the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the one that I meant when I said, a man comes after me who surpasses me because he was before me. Remember earlier in this chapter? We'll, we'll highlight that in a minute. 
I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. He was preparing the way, preparing people's hearts to meet Jesus in a relational way. Then John gave this testimony or this story, personal story. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. That's God speaking to him, right? Revealing to him what you should do in preparation of Jesus. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. We're still talking about God and His whole, the wholeness of God, the fullness of God. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one or anointed one, which I really like in the Passion Translation. And then we continue in verse 35. The next day after that, John was there again with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist was preaching, he was preaching about repentance and baptizing, and there was a following, and, and people were, were loving what John was saying, John the Baptist, and people were gathered around him, and some were following John and be, being his personal disciples, right, of, of, in ministry. The next day, he was there again with two of his disciples. When, Jesus, when, they, when he saw Jesus passing by and said, look, the Lamb of God, exclamation point. So I may be saying that a little underwhelmingly, right? It was exuberant. He was like, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. Right there, guys. That's who I've been preaching about. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Now Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The scene is unraveling of who Jesus is. John is painting a clear picture for you and I to see the scope of Jesus. We saw in the first parts of of John, the first verses, we see he's writing, who is Jesus? We ask that question, right? And he says, Jesus, right, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and there was nothing that was made without God. In Him, everything was made. Jesus was from the beginning. When we were created in creation, Jesus was there. John sets up who is Jesus? Then we see that John the Baptist is preparing the way through baptizing people in repen- after preaching repentance. It was highly controversial. It was something that was offensive to people in that culture, in that s- setting, especially to those religious leaders or Pharisees. You see, it was offensive to, uh, be- to convert from one religion to the other. Much like it is in the Middle East today, it is some serious consequences. And the least of these is that you are bringing dishonor to your father and to your family. And so when John was baptizing, there were people who were bringing dishonor to their family because they were converting from the, the, the Jewish uh, Pharisee way. 
You see, before this, you had the mediators between sinful men and God. And we're in a transition stage between law and grace and how God would make a new covenant to his people. The Pharisees, they did baptisms. The Pharisees, they did forgiveness of, repent, or of, of sins. And the Pharisees, they were the ones who went into the Holy and Holies, Holy of Holies, on behalf of others. And here are people who are being baptized, and the Pharisees are staring and watching them do this in the water, all the while they knew this person was baptized in that temple under the right setting. Because it was the Pharisees who were ceremonial, ceremonially clean, right? They had put up with all of the laws. They have, they have added to the laws. They had worn the robes. They, they had done everything that they could. They prayed and fasted in the right way to what they thought, right? And they put up this big facade and said, if you want to come to God, you're going to have to come through me. And John the Baptist is preaching something totally different. He says, you don't have to go to God through that temple anymore. You don't have to come to God with, through anyone else anymore. And so he, he, he baptizes them in a new identity, a new following, a new idea. And they're leaving off the old stuff that they had been born into, really. And so John points out who is Jesus, right? He was the Word. He was in the beginning. And nothing was made without him. And then he says, who are you? John the Baptist was, was, uh, was baptizing people and the Pharisees. The religious leaders sent out the priests and the Levites. said, I want you to go find out who this guy is. I want you to tell, come back and tell us who, who he is. Because we don't know who this guy is. And he's doing it all wrong. So they asked him. said, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? He says, I'm none of these. They said, tell us who you are. And he doesn't respond with, hey, this is who I am. I've been out in the wilderness. I've been praying with God. I've been this, this contact. God's been speaking to me. Look, I, I've got this to prove it. I've got that. No, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say, look, this is how good I am. I haven't sinned in a week. He doesn't say anything like that. He simply just quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness, preparing the way for who's to come. And that was what he spoke. was something that was written 600 years before. He, so when you're asked of who you are, we know that who Jesus Jesus is who we are, and it's not what we say about ourselves, it's about what God says about you. So John is setting up an identity. Too many people don't know who they are. Too many people don't know who Christ is. And if you don't know who Christ is, you don't know who you are. And he's bringing into this whole idea of who you are. Who is Christ? Who are you? And all of a sudden, we get another who in this picture. Because once you find out who Christ is, and once you find out who you are, then you have something to do. So I'm going to tell this like a story. John the Baptist, he's doing his thing. People are coming to him, there's crowds, and it's building a reputation. And he is going around and preaching a totally different gospel, lack of better words for right now. And he's got the followers. And Jesus passes by. And he says, there he is. That's the one who will take away the sin of the world. If we could stop right there in the picture. 
Jesus isn't there. He doesn't step up on a rock. He doesn't start, start preaching. He doesn't start proclaiming who he is. He doesn't start talking about the kingdom of heaven. He just passes by. And John the Baptist has a moment to share the truth of what he knows to someone else. You see, you may only have a moment in time to redirect someone else's life by pointing out who Jesus is. And some of the best opportunities that people have or for you to point out some, to Jesus into somebody's life is through tragedy. There was, it was a tragedy that people were wrapped up in religion. So much they were missing out on God. And he used that, said, outside of religion, I want you to find who God really is. And he's passing by. You better not miss it. And he points out and says, there he is. There's the Messiah. And all of a sudden, two disciples of John, they leave John. They get up. They begin to walk. And one of them is Andrew. And they're following Jesus And Jesus, in his footsteps, hears somebody walking behind him, gets his attention, turns around. Jesus turns around to see who's following him. Can you imagine drawing the attention of our Lord? He stops in his tracks and says, What are you doing? The two look at each other and we say, we're here to follow you. See, they say, where are you staying? Rabbi, teacher. Jesus didn't follow that religious format of being ceremonially ready and prepped as a rabbi through the temple. He didn't do that. But they began to call him rabbi, teacher. They wanted to learn from Jesus. Where are you staying? Where are you at? They ask him. And all he says, come and I'll show you. I love this. Because Jesus gives an invitation to follow. They're already following. They're ready to pursue. But now they need to have that experience of what it's like to, what Je- what it's like to live with Jesus. I think there are several markers in the Christian life. We come, we say, God, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to come, I'm ready to walk behind you. And Jesus said, okay, but if you want that, you can have that, but I want something more from you. What do you want? He says, where are you staying? Where do you live? Come, I will show you. You don't have to walk behind me. You can walk with me. A lot of our Let me rephrase that. How many of us or how many people are missing out because they're still following behind Jesus and Jesus is asking them to walk with him? Asking us to be there with him. And what does he do? He shows them where he was staying. Can you imagine that? Walking side by side with Jesus. He says, look, let me show you where I'm at. And Jesus didn't have that traditional house, as you would say now. He was kind of a nomad, kind of a teacher, and he stayed at a lot of different houses. And he says, I'll show you where I'm staying tonight. That's my sleeping bag. It's my stuff that I have for today. It's not a lot, but you don't need a lot. This is how I live. 
I haven't built up for myself everything that I need in this world to make me comfortable. That's not what I'm here. You can see. I don't have the fancy car. I don't have all the stuff that I need. I don't, I don't have all the stuff that the world tells you need. I just got it simply. In fact, I don't even have a house to stay right now. Luckily, I've got this person that's allowed me to stay here, but I don't need all that. I can imagine what it was like just spending hours with Jesus and just talking and learning just by being with him. Not just watching from a distance, but going and spending time of where he lived. Let me take you around the corner. Let me show you. Right? I mean, let me show you. Starbucks over here, I come in here all the time. We get to have great conversations here. Let me take you down the road. Let's go to the park. I'll show you where this river runs through here. Boy, there's some great fishing over here. Let me, let me show you where people congregate and come together and they're missing it. Let me show you what my heart breaks for. Let me, let me show you what love looks like when I'm interacting with people and how I, how I really care for them. L- let me lead you and to show, what it, show you what it looks like to just love someone for who they are as the person I love them and there's so much that they can learn from me. And they did this all afternoon. And Andrew, he hears this. He sees this. And he's in this relationship, right, for a whole day with the Son of God. Just learning what he's like. And so excitedly, his life has been transformed. He has got new vision. He's got a new sense of what it looks like. They, they, they've been baptized, right? They, they've heard the preaching, and now they see the Messiah, and truly he is the one that takes the sin away from the world. And I love what it says. What Andrew does, the first thing that he does, what does he do? He goes and tells his brother. So here's the other who in the story. John sets it up. Who is Jesus? Who am I? And who do we know? Because once you know who God is, and once you know who you are in Christ Jesus, right? You've been set free. You've been redeemed. You're no longer a slave. You have been made righteous in his name. You are loved. You are cherished. You are forgiven. You've been graced. You have a promise ahead of you. You have work to do. And he realizes there's somebody that he needs to tell. And this person that's on his mind is his brother Simon. The first thing that he does, we can't miss out on this. Because there's a lot of us that know who Jesus is. And we know who we are. But we're missing out on the third who. And I was talking about this with Greg Trusdell this morning. And he just happened to say this in our meeting this this morning. He said, you know, on a statistical level, it's only about 2% of Christians invite other people to follow Jesus. Or even have a conversation. 2%. How much are we missing out on the third who? Aren't you thankful that somebody didn't miss out on you being the who? He 
he gets excited and he says, I know exactly who I'm going to run to. And he takes off for Peter, and it's about 4 o'clock, and Peter gets, or Simon gets off at 5, right? He's over there fishing, tying the nets, and, he, and Andrew says, Simon, you got to come with me. I, I've met the Messiah. I know for sure. you got to follow me. And, and Simon's like, hey, hold on. i got to finish what I'm doing. And Andrew's like, no, you don't understand. I've seen him. I've talked with him. I know it's him. you got to come with me, brother. He says, okay, let's go. And Andrew's pulling him along. Because he can't wait. Because he knows that his brother has been looking for Jesus as well. He's been looking for the Messiah. He's been searching for him. When you have found something great. There's a passion in what we call, right, in our terms, a burden. To say, someone else needs to hear this message. Someone else needs Jesus in their life. That's what we're talking about, that Jesus puts something inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit with fire, with passion, will baptize you to promote you to be a witness, an ambassador, to be, look beyond of just who is God and who am I to who can I share it with. It's the empowerment of the Spirit of God that says, I'm running to my brother. There's no time to wait. It's the first thing I got to do, not the fourth, not the third, not the second, but the first thing that's on my mind is that there are other people that need to hear this. There are other people that need to meet Jesus. There are other people that need to walk with Him. There are other people that need to see how He lives. There are other people that need to be gone through the community. I have the eyes opened up to seeing what their purpose in life is and something amazing happens Andrew has got his brother and he's not letting him go and they're high stepping it over to Jesus he doesn't want to waste any time because Jesus may go over here, over there. He knows where Jesus is now. He's going to take him to that place where Jesus is. Walks him over. Jesus on the other side has already got their attention. And he's looking at them come. And he knows what's happening. Somebody is bringing Another person to him. Andrew heard. He believed. And he went. And he came back. With his brother. And I could just imagine what that scene looked like. And Jesus is smiling. He doesn't have the scowl. And say, I don't have time for this. You know what? Let's make an appointment for tomorrow. I almost sense that his eyes are just welling up with pride. Welling up with maybe tears. Saying there's another child that I love. Coming together in agreement. Not alone. Walking side by side. Coming to learn how to live with Jesus Two brothers who know how to live with each other are now going to learn how to live with Jesus. He comes up. Maybe they're out of breath. Jesus 
Let me introduce you to my brother. Nothing else is said. Comes up. Jesus looks straight at him and says, Simon, son of John. Jesus already knew his name. He knew his struggles. He knew his past. He knew his desire to find the Messiah. He knew everything about Simon. He doesn't say, hey, listen, I want to I get you over here. I wanna, let's, let's start this process. I want to I tell you about God. I want to tell you about the kingdom. And then, no, what does he do? He says, I know your name. I'm calling you out. It speaks directly to us. He's he's calling you, and he's called you out. He looks at him and says, Simon, son of John, you will now be called Cephas, which means Peter. He comes to him, and the thing that Jesus does, the first thing that Jesus does, not the fourth, not the third, not the second, but the first thing he does is he gives him a new name. How many people do we know? How many people do you know that need to be called out of the name that they've been using and God wants to call them out into a new name, a new identity, a new them, a new life, right? A new purpose, a new love, a new foundation. People who are lost trying to find their way in that and spirits and mediums and all this sort of searching and they're just wandering in the dark and Jesus says, look, if you come to me, I'm going to give you a new name and it's going to change the way that you live. The invitation is clear for you and I. That when we know who we are, we know what we're about. Because we know that the heart of God and what He's about, He's about people. And He said, I will line up the desires. I will give you the desires of your heart. When you seek me, you will find me. And really, the desires of our heart are matched with God's desires at that point. I'll give you whatever you ask in my name. That's why we're not afraid to ask in Jesus' name that our influence will go into this community like never before. I believe that we could transform the climate, the spiritual climate in this community. Not because of a property, not because of a building, but because of Jesus. Listen, did you get a card when you came in here? A smile? We want you to be coming to come to church. I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's invite to church. Let me tell you, this is a place to invite people not to church. This is an invitation for people to follow Jesus. Just so that we're clear. What we do here, you and I are the church. We want to invite people. We want to invite your brother. We want to invite your sister. We want to invite your nephew. We want to see everybody come and follow Jesus. This is the introduction. You are the Andrew to the Simon and said, listen, let me come introduce you to somebody that has changed my life. It's what you're looking for. Give the invitation and walk with them and say, listen, we're going to, you're going to come and you're going to hear one name preached at that church and it's going to be Jesus. Because there's no other name under heaven that we will preach. There is no other name that can save. It is only Jesus. And we all have people in our lives that need their name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we are here about, right? That's what we are here to bring people and introduce them to Jesus.
And I make a commitment that when you bring anyone, that we will love them as Jesus would love them. We will not dishonor them. We will not bash them. We will not, we will not slander. We will only build, edify, and lift up, not Northview Church, but Jesus. This church is just us who have made a decision to say, we're going to, we know who we are. We know who God is. We know who we are. And now we know whom we need to reach. It is an awesome, awesome responsibility because there are people that we are surrounded with on a daily basis, right, that are dying and they don't even know it. And if we have life and we know it and other people are dying and they don't know it, that causes a responsibility and an urgency on us, right? And if they reject you and your message, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. So we need to get rid of that fear altogether. And, it's, and thank the Lord that we live in America where we can go and we can say, hey, you're invited to come to church and hear the message of, of, of the cross being preached freely and openly. This is the mission personally. I don't really buy into that, that terminology of full-time ministry. Because we're all in full-time ministry, right? God did not call just the pastors, teachers, and evangelists to do all the work. That's not what it's about. We are here to help stir, build, encourage, and promote faith to go and be the church into your workplace, into your area of influence, friends, and bring them here to Jesus. And we'll just let God do the rest. Right? I make a commitment to just be as faithful as I know how to be to God's word. And we just commit people before they come that the Holy Spirit will prepare their hearts before they come here. That God will do what he does best and, and turns that soil that was hard into a fertile ground to be seeds to be planted. You plant, I water, but God does the miracle of the growth. That's how it works. This is a partnership. That's why I signed my emails, your partner in ministry. We are in partnership. And we have a job to do. Who is Jesus? Who are we? And who are we influencing? Who are we bringing to follow Jesus? Let's stand together. Incredible, incredible opportunity that we have in front of us in our future. In front of us today. If at any moment I've been preaching this message and a name has come to your thought, a face, somebody that you already know, that's been prompting on your heart, God's been speaking to you about that person already. You may have known that person years. You may have just met them at work this last week. But God works that way. He just sparks that vision of people inside of us. How many of you, as I've been preaching, have seen that? Raise your hand. That one person that you know. Right? That's God speaking to you. Because I didn't mention that person's name. I didn't tell you that you should go to this person. That's God softening your heart and making you into an ambassador for Christ. And He's starting that with a vision 
of who he's already placed in your life personally. So what I want to do, because God is already speaking in your lives, I want to I want to back you with prayer first. And I'm asking you, give the card out and give an invite. This has nothing to do with church growth. This has everything to do with we are here for a reason to introduce people to Jesus. Followers of Christ. To see God set people free. How is this going to happen if there's not an invitation? It's where it starts. Here, we're inviting God to do the work beforehand, and then when you hand them that card, they're ready. Amen? Father, thank you for speaking into our lives, that person or two people, God, that, that you have placed along in our lives, that need to follow you, that need to hear your voice, that need to hear your love, that need to hear how good you are, Lord, that you are here for us and not against us. God, I pray for every person who is ready to take that step and that challenge to give an invitation to walk with you. I ask for words that, need, that will be spoken, Lord, that there will not be as a hesitancy but an urgency, a clearness of mind, and a gentleness of opportunity. And the strength of truth. That you will speak loudly and clearly. I pray for the opportunity that each person has here. God. To be a witness for you. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish things that we cannot do on our own. We invite you to do the miracle that when people do come here. God. That they will be ready. You said the harvest is ripe. Help us God. To be your laborers and bring them to you. We do not fear any rejection. But God, we do want to have a, a spirit of not wanting to miss out. Let us take this opportunity this week to reach out to those who need to meet the Messiah. We commit them into your hands today. In Jesus' name, we say together. Amen. I want to close with this verse. And I, I'm not just saying that. We are closing. Just so you know. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You have the good news, now go preach it. You are a preacher of the gospel. Christ has placed it inside of you, and he will give you the spirit of confidence that is outside of what you are nor normally uh, used to. You may be timid and weak in areas, but this, test him. He will give you the words and the confidence to move you in an area that you have not thought possible before. Amen? Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, God, we ask that you go before us this week. Bless us in all we do. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed, and I am looking forward to the miracle of what's happening in your life and the lives around you. 
Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit northviewutah.com.